The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello, welcome to the Provoke Podcast. I am Diana Marzalek. I am senior reporter with Provoke Media, and I have with me today Garland Stansell. Hello, Garland. Hi, Diana. Thank um, you for having me. Um, thank you for being here. Garland is the national chair of PRSA, and um, his day job is chief communications officer of Children's of Alabama, which is uh, a Birmingham-based hospital and healthcare system. So we certainly have lots to talk about today, Garland, and I uh, appreciate the time. I can only imagine that you are quite busy right now, uh, especially in the healthcare space. Yes, it, it is a busy time, both for um, for my day job for healthcare and for PRSA, as many things are changing uh, daily and rapidly. And that's uh, really part of the challenge for those of us in the healthcare industry um, and for all of us, um, really, that uh, things are, are changing uh, really quickly. So when you say changing, what are you hearing? Let's first talk a little bit about PRSA. Um, what are you hearing from members? And when you talk about changing, what, what is changing that, that is impacting the communications at this time? Right. Well, for PRSA specifically, uh, changing as, as, as with all industries and uh, other associations, just changing the calendar and changing the way we operate. We've had a number of um, things that have canceled, a lot of in-person meetings between now and uh, July to this point, and, and some being considered after that, that have been canceled or are, have been postponed and being rescheduled for a time later in the year. So that's part of the change from uh, of the calendar. And then the other part of the change is in looking at how we can meet member needs as they are uh, now working from home. And uh, you and I had, had spoken earlier about, uh, you know, there are those such as yourself that work from home and have been doing so. And then those of us like me who are finding ourselves working from home um, daily when uh, maybe we did it occasionally or not at all prior to this. So looking at uh, how our communicators can, can work remotely the uh, kinds of information and services and support we can provide to them to successfully work from home. And then working under such circumstances that are changing quickly that um, is concerning from a, a health perspective and um, how they can help communicate for their particular industry, whether they're in healthcare or they're in financial PR or they're working for an agency or whatever they find themselves working in, uh, they are finding that things have changed, that things are different, and uh, trying to prepare them to communicate under the circumstances we find ourselves in now. And um, many of the things that we've done from PRSA is to um, look at our communication from a crisis communication standpoint. We have a lot of crisis communication resources, uh, webinars that we are doing that help support that. And uh, we, we have almost 22,000 professional members. We have around 10,000 uh, student members through PRSSA. And um, so the world has you know, changed almost overnight. And uh, we've got an age spectrum from those just entering 
the uh, field of communication to those who uh, are already retired or semi-retired. Are people tapping into these resources? Like, what are they? What are they looking for? Are they are they needing? Um, are, are they tuning into webinars? Are they needing to figure out how to get online? I mean, what's the scope? Right. I mean, the, the bigger agencies, I'm sure, are, you know, they have IT people and they're setting up people and all that. But you right. also are dealing with the range of people who are probably, they're, you know, working at home might not be all it was cracked up to be. You've got the fantasy, but then there's the reality of making it work. <laughs> right. so, so what are, you know, I am, I, I'm, you tell me, but I imagine you're hearing from some of the, the smaller operators or people who really need the resources right now. You know, surprisingly, we haven't had a great challenge of, of the people asking for uh, technological resources or, or how to operate the technology. Uh, I think most people have, um, you know, the communicators are, are curious people. They're uh, educated people, they're constant um, learners, lifelong learners. So even our seasoned members who have been practicing for you know forty plus years have you know embraced the technology, mm -hmm. learned to use the technology. So that hasn't been as much of a challenge as as we might think. Many are asking you know um, for resources on how they can communicate to their own constituents. And is there anything out there specifically for um, someone in healthcare, for someone in uh, you know the the other industries? Uh, and it depends on what industry they do work in. Healthcare certainly has been still very active. Those in financial financial industry, they've been active. Those in uh, employee and corporate communications have still been active, communicating to their employees. Those in investor relations, certainly with all that's going on, have been communicating. So they're asking about resources. They're, um, we have open forums and specific forums for industries where uh, our members can share that information. And we have a lot of people who are on there going to the forum saying, what, you know, I, I'm interested in how you handled this particular situation and what did you tell your, um, your publics and your constituents in that regard. So I and then really, got, uh, I'm sorry, go on, go on. I was just going to say, then you have others, for instance, like in uh, sports and entertainment industry, where um, the industry is just stopped. There's not, you know, uh, sporting events have stopped and, and the, uh, a lot of the other entertainment venues and, and live venues have stopped. And so uh, many of them are not working or they're looking at uh, their communication is is kind of more the bad news of, well, this has been canceled and we're not going to be open. And, um, and uh, they find themselves looking to communicate in other ways to communicate um, really their value. Of course, we're always all communicating our value, but they're looking at uh, maybe replays of, of old games or old matches, or they're offering uh, concerts from previous years and those kinds of things to go online and to be able to communicate those out there to maintain some type of relationship with their with their patrons and, and with their um, supporters. So um, it really depends on the industry and how all of the pandemic is, is affecting your industry. And every sector I know is affected by this and every person is affected by this. Um, we get research pouring in and, and a lot of what we're hearing though is that the most essential, um, that employee communications at this point is sort of 
most essential to a company's long-term health, um, taking care of their right. employees and, and making sure they have the information available. Um, are you seeing that? Yes, we are. We are certainly seeing that. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing it personally through our hospital and health system, and I'm seeing that from members from across the country who are saying that a lot of the communication is geared toward employees, geared toward keeping them informed as to what's going on in their own particular company, their own industry, but also providing for those employees some uh, assurance that, you know, here are some ways that you can take care of yourself. And uh, in, in this we, in this situation, we really have the opportunity to, to use uh, empathetic communication where we're trying to put ourselves in the place of those who are uh, working in the industry, those who maybe have been uh, displaced and are at home and are, are not being paid right now, uh, and those who are at home and, and working from home and being paid, and to communicate uh, the messages that they need to hear about uh, their own personal safety, their own personal health, and uh, the things that they can do to make good decisions to keep themselves and, and their friends and family uh, well. And where does this come in? I mean, there's so much noise out there. So people are getting assaulted with information today. I read something about news fatigue has set in. Right. Are, are companies, are, are employees still looking, though, to their employers for information? I mean, that's what the research shows. But yes. is that what you're seeing practically, what you're hearing from people? And what you're, you're, you're kind of in the, the, the hot seat in a way. I mean, in, a, in doing communications in the healthcare field, you really, I, we'll get to that later. <laughs> I want to hear, yeah, yeah. hear about how you rolled out your own program. But, um, but, it, but is there still waiting for word from your employer? Absolutely. Uh, people are looking to their employers. And as you said, I, I do think that um, in our country, we, we are getting, you know, uh, saturated with media and uh, there is certainly that fatigue and, um, and there's only so much of it that you can take for your own um, emotional well-being. And uh, so uh, you do have to make those choices. And I do think that a lot of staff members, a lot of employees look to their employer to provide that kind of information. Uh, and really hospitals and healthcare organizations, we're, we're challenged with the, the rapid changing and, and that barrage of information and not just us, but, but all sectors, as you said, being um, barraged through every channel. So then um, on top of that, you've got that there are scammers out there who are taking advantage of the situation as happens in, in any kind of crisis. And so the, in healthcare, there are scammers out there offering uh, the personal protection equipment, the PPE to healthcare institutions. Uh, they're offering it to, to us as individuals, whether it's masks or hand sanitizer or uh, whatever that might be. And they may be offered at tremendously inflated prices or that are not in a hospital healthcare setting, not approved for hospital quality, um, or it's a scam, just a, an outright scam for individuals who are thinking they're ordering something and they're getting nothing. And um, certainly for certain sectors of the population that may share their credit card information or other financial information with those who are, are just looking to, to take them. Um, you know, and then the, the other piece to that is 
along in the, the barrage of information that's coming out there, there's also a good deal of misinformation. Um, and, and some of that is, is purposeful misinformation. Some of it is uh, not really on purpose, but, but misinformation that nonetheless does get shared about whether it's the severity of the virus and, uh, you know, early on, um, maybe misinformation around how severe and expected rate of infection in our country, uh, which um, maybe we didn't know, and maybe it was some misinformation out there hoping. Uh, and now there's an issue of misinformation relating to testing and how quickly we can begin to open communities and back to activity that won't jeopardize the health and safety of the citizens. Um, so uh, it gets to be difficult to focus on what are the uh, true message, messages that you need to base your decisions on and base your, your health on. And as a, as a healthcare <laughs> provider, um, what is your sort of charge? Because I know, you know, we have the state leaders making recommendations. You have, I, I'm assuming there are local officials doing their guidelines, the federal officials, but yet you're the provider. So are you there to disseminate and reinforce the information that's coming down from the, you know, whether it's the federal or the state leaders, as well as get people who need testing, testing? I mean, what is the scope of what you're looking at? It must be huge. Right. It, it, there, there is a, um, a huge scope. And uh, exactly as you said, we are looking at communicating messages that are from those trusted sources. So we're looking at, you know, trusted medical sources uh, from the scientific community, from those who, um, who should know. Uh, and that is on the federal level that is on, uh, in some cases, international level. And, um, and then certainly from the, the state and the local level, most of the, we find that most of the local um, entities are relying on the state and federal to, to kind of set the standard and share the information. Um, and then on the local, they're interpreting that and making their own decisions, of course, as far as what's open and what's closed and those kinds of things. But um, that's one of the things I've emphasized from the very beginning to communicators is that we should only rely on trusted sources. Because um, there's a lot out there that, you know, uh, isn't that misinformation. And, and that means to me, listening to medical professionals and the scientists who are providing uh, data-based information and advice. It's interesting um, that you said that, that even now with all the talk of, I don't wanna get into fake news and all that, but misinformation, is that do, do communicators still need to be reminded to rely on these trusted sources? Yes, I, I think we do um, certainly when you are communicating in uh, more of a crisis situation and a pandemic and, and uh, in a situation where things are changing rapidly and there is such um, a large quantity of information just, you know, uh, coming at you from so many sources. And, um, I, you know, I think we have to be looking at those trusted sources. We've got to remind ourselves to look at the trusted sources 
um, to be data-driven, to rely on logic. Um, I think that's what we need to do for our country. I think that's what the states need to do. Um, if we if we start to allow um, emotion or fear or economics to drive our decisions, it may drive us to make hasty decisions that we might regret, and decisions that don't promote you know health and well-being for ourselves or our citizens or for those uh, that we work with. Um, so I think that is important. And and you you were asking the question: Do we? Uh, need to remind communicators, and, and yes, we do, and we, we have uh, PRSA's National Advocacy Committee in our Health Academy section, which is uh, a, a special interest section of all those that work in healthcare from all sectors. Uh, they recently communicated through social media and other channels uh, an infographic that they called um, uh, Infodemic. Uh, Rx or prescription during the epidemic to say that you have to focus on the facts. You know, don't be um, persuaded by anything else other than facts. To make sure you're you're using trusted sources and at at the very least two of those trusted sources, and then to make sure as quickly as things are changing to check for updates at a very minimum of three times a day. But it, I would say as quickly as things are changing. <laughs> Sometimes it could be as as often as three times an hour to to make sure sure that you're um, up to date that you um, have the latest information that you're you know listening to those whether it be from the cdc or from your state health department or the county health department um and, and from those who um are, are they're kind of on the front lines of where the data is coming in and making uh, the best decisions that they can based, you know, in fact. Right. Now, as working for the healthcare system, what has been your biggest challenge? Uh, and I will say I work in pediatric healthcare. And so thankfully, the numbers of children under 18 who have contracted the virus has been low. Uh, it is a dramatically different story for those who um, work in healthcare entities with adult populations. I think for for us, communicating to our uh, employees, keeping our employees calm, uh, part of what we did too in trying to reduce staffing density on campus and preparing to have um, employees do what they needed to do to be home and stay safe and to shelter in place. Um, our healthcare system has about 5,100 staff members. And so we've got almost half of those uh, who are at home. And so communicating to them, keeping, keeping them apprised of what's going on in our facilities, helping them to still feel a part of the organization uh, all of that has been challenging, uh, trying to help them to stay calm, uh, giving them information. We, we, um, we started both, my team um, is responsible for both internal and external communication. We also are responsible for not only the PR and, and the corporate comm, but for marketing, advertising, so every facet of communication. So we've been continuing to do all of that and um, 
communicating that to our employees and, and helping them to, to stay apprised uh, when things have changed rapidly. On top of that, we've also had a lot of our processes and um, and procedures and policy in our facilities to change from the hours that uh, we are open to uh, masking required to the uh, visitation schedule and how many visitors can come. And so all of that being communicated through every channel that we can communicate that. And as things have evolved with the pandemic, those processes and those procedures have evolved. So that means, you know, sometimes you're changing um, things on a daily basis or certainly a weekly basis. Um, we are also a part of a bigger healthcare community. We have a, a very uh, active and large healthcare community in, uh, in central Alabama and Birmingham, the area around. So we're part of um, a task force and a consortium of other healthcare facilities that also takes in the university and the University of Alabama. So looking at um, not only the healthcare, but also there's the whole academic side of that and the, the college university side of that, um, that I'm not involved in specifically, but part of a task force that's looking at um, how we communicate to those. To, uh, As, to uh, other, to the university age, you mean, or? Uh, so we all try to, to stay kind of on the same okay. page so that we are right. communicating similar messages to our, our, our staff members, although our situations may be all a little different, but we're taking the same approach and we're sharing the same kind of messaging. Uh, so we, we try to stay together on uh, how we are, are communicating those things. Is, um, there, is there anything that really concerns you about I mean, I understand that pediatrics is not is not um, feeling the impact the, the, the same way as as some other populations. But are you're in the thick of the of the healthcare system? You're thick of communications. I mean, are, what's your biggest concern? Are there people not getting the right messages? We talked about that. Are there people who are getting no messages? Is it confusion, or is it just an overload of? I mean, everybody had a, had a, has crisis plans. I get it, but is this bigger mm -hmm. than anybody ever thought? Um, yeah, you know, I do think um, there is the added challenges from from my colleagues around the country and then in here in our area who work with the adult populations. Um, you, well, and even our staff too. One is you see the healthcare workers who are stressed. They're stressed by the volume. They're stressed going in every day and thinking, um, is today the day I'm going to contract COVID-19? Mm -hmm. um, they're stressed in many instances because some may be staying in a hotel and not going home to their family. Some may be going home but living in their basement or in another room because they don't want to come home and possibly expose their own families. So there's that that uh, reality for those working in healthcare. They also work in long hours. There's also the emotional toll beyond their own health, but the emotional toll, especially in uh, the hot spots of the country, um, where there's a large death toll, and just seeing that uh, amount of death that takes an emotional toll. So I know that a lot of healthcare systems are looking at um, 
the, the health of their workers and the emotional health of their workers, either through their employee health or through specific programs where uh, other healthcare workers are helping take care of the healthcare workers from an emotional standpoint. We have a, we have a program and licensed counselor uh, at our facility that it, that's the particular um, role of that function is so a healthcare worker can come and say, this is what I'm feeling and I, I, I need to talk through it. So those things happen. Um, and so that, that is a challenge to our healthcare system is um, many times our healthcare workers are not the best at taking care of themselves. Uh, they're very dedicated. They're working those long hours. It can be taxing in many ways, and maybe they're they're not taking the time to get help. So, uh, we, we need to in healthcare make sure we're we're giving that opportunity and that we're encouraging um, our healthcare workers to take care of themselves. The other challenge uh, is that um, many of those are older adults who already have, you know, immunocompromised immune systems. So it's affecting them. Then you've got those from minority populations who may live in more densely populated communities. And many of, of those also work jobs that are deemed essential, like those in the food-related business, like fast food restaurants or grocery, public transportation, the first responders, and, and in healthcare. So um, many of those are challenged with getting the messages. They may live in communities uh, that are more underserved. Uh, sometimes there are um, certain cultural uh, issues with getting the messages through, uh, whether that's a, uh, a distrust of healthcare, healthcare systems, um, depending on the particular culture. And then uh, there's a, a problem with not only literacy, but even if there is um, a, a decent level of literacy, there may be healthcare illiteracy involved in, in that too. And even the messaging that you're trying to get out there may not be understood. So um, we work within our facility to make sure that everything that we are communicating is no higher than a fifth or sixth grade reading level just so that the messages can be understood because as communicators, it doesn't help us to get the messages out there if they're not being received, if they're not being understood. So that that is a challenge to look at um, how we can communicate, especially with the older population. They we talked earlier about the technology and those of us who are working, embracing the technology of working from home and a, a lot of our Older Americans, older, older citizens are not as technologically advanced or com comfortable with that. So uh, trying to get the messaging to them in ways that um, is useful, especially as quickly as things are changing. Um, we are looking at, you know, electronic communication and, and relying heavily on electronic communication when that sometimes is not the best way to get the messages to our older adults. Well, I, yeah, you have definitely have your work cut out. I appreciate what you're doing, and I'm sure it's a 24-7 thing for you and, and your colleagues now. So I appreciate what you and your facility and your, your workers are doing, and um, hopefully uh, we'll I end sooner that. versus later. Yeah, we'll, well Diana, see. Diana, I will say um, every it's not all grim. 
because there's certainly so many inspiring positive stories and as, as communicators we are storytellers and uh so there it's not all bad it's not all uh the disease and death and those stories to tell because there certainly are all those stories of our healthcare workers and our first responders who are really you know being the heroes of this pandemic as well as those who are still working and making sure that we are fed and have food and um so those are, are really great stories we can tell they're also the stories of of those strong uh, individuals who are recovering and who are encouraging us all. Um, I think every time you, we, we see on uh, on the local news and national news someone who's been really ill and they're recovering and the healthcare workers are there applauding and um, celebrating them. And that's certainly an encouragement to us at home, but it's an encouragement to those who are working in those facilities as well. Um, and then so many great stories of Americans who are responding in incredible ways from donating food. I know we've, we've had a lot of local restaurants who have had to be closed uh, during this time that are preparing meals and bringing them down and leaving them for our staff. Um, to people who are making masks at home, to people who are checking on their neighbors and doing what they need to do in order to help reduce the spread and um, help us get back to some semblance of normal. and. That's one of the things we've tried to rely on for uh, messages we've gotten out to uh, through social media and through other electronic channels to tell those who are reading those messages to make sure the messages get to their neighbors, to their older neighbors, to their older um, relatives and uh, friends so that, um, you know, that that's another way that word of mouth to be able to to share those messages to help help those people make sure they're taking care of themselves. That's wonderful. So I appreciate you speaking with us today um, and uh, keep track of this moving forward. And, and again, kudos to all those healthcare communicators out there for, for all the hard work. I uh, so well, urge thank it you. right now. Thank you again for, for having me and uh, it was my pleasure. Okay, take care. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.